0: The Florida Gators lost some key players to the transfer portal. They got to replace them somehow. We're going to talk about that here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast and Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free reviews of the podcast. Happy Tuesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants, Country, NFL 33. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. And if you're part of the subtext group, welcome. If you're part of the Discord, welcome. If you're not, welcome. Uh, we're talking about how the Florida Gators can replace some of the transported talent that they lost. We're going to start with Trevor Etienne because, look, I, I, I'm, I think I'm pretty openly as big a princely fan as anyone else is or or bigger but um he wasn't the biggest loss for me it was trevor etienne and i get it he's a running back compared to an edge rusher positional value sure we expected princely to leave anyway trevor not so much um i will also say the big thing for replacing trevor etienne is not just replacing trevor etienne it's that uh Montrell Johnson has not yet decided if he's coming back to Gainesville or if he's declaring for the NFL draft. If I'm Billy Napier, if I'm Jabbar Jalouk, if I'm anybody on that Florida staff, I'm contacting Montrell constantly. And I'm just like, hey, man, just a reminder, you can come back next year prove yourself as a more polished receiver than you were this past year, you can come back and prove yourself as a more dynamic runner than you were this year. Because again, if you look at the 2022 film for Montreal Johnson, and then you watch the 2023 film for Montreal Johnson, he was better as an open field runner in 2022. Far too often in 2023, he'd be tackled one-on-one by a defensive back. And if you don't have top flight speed, which Montrell kind of struggles to separate from SEC players, it's gonna be harder in the NFL. You don't have top flight speed, you should be coming back. Like you you should be able to break tackles by defensive backs, you should be coming back for those reasons. And again, I think Montrell is someone who genuinely would benefit from another year. Prove yourself as a receiver. He led the team in drops last season. He did not lead the team in targets or catches last season. He did lead them in drops. Wasn't as creative or explosive as a runner. Come back. Prove that you can do that at, at a consistent level. That's my selling point. That's my selling point. If, if I'm on this coaching staff, I'm saying that to Montreux. If you do lose Montreal Johnson, then you run into an even bigger issue because at that point, the only running backs that you would have available on your roster, Treon Webb, who just finished his true freshman season, didn't get consistent touches in any way, shape, or form. didn't do a ton with them when he did. And then you look at Cam Carroll, two-lane transfer that blew out his knee right before the season started this past season. He's going to be coming back more likely than not. uh, I don't see why he wouldn't be back. That's kind of it as far as players who actually contribute to the team. So yeah, not great. If you lose both Montreal and Trevor Etienne, do you look to the portal for a, a running back that can maybe replace some of that production? You played Arkansas a month and a week ago. Do you look to Arkansas and you go, all right, hey, Rocket Sanders, come on down, buddy. Um, And is that the approach that you try to take, which I don't necessarily think it will be, but could it be your approach? Yeah, it could be the approach. Do you look to Treshawn Ward, a Tampa kid? Do you try to get him in? And again, I I don't think that I don't think that Trishon Ward is a lead back here. I think Rocket Sanders has proven himself to be a lead back at the SEC level. I don't think Florida's in play for him. But I, I think that the best way you can plan for any of this and replace Trevor Etienne as well, add to your offensive line. Like Florida, you've yet to make a splash in the transfer portal at all. Really, I get it. You've made progress with multiple players. Offensive line has not been an area that this coaching staff has prioritized in the transfer portal. You you contacted Chase Besantis from uh, Texas a and I, I said the day that he entered the portal, I told people in the subtext and the discord, I was just like, hey, I don't expect Florida to be in play for him at all. Like they'll contact him, but from what I heard, he wants to be closer to home. And yes, Florida is closer to New Jersey than Texas. It's still not close at all. Uh, so I'm not expecting Chase Vasantis to be in play. I don't know if Florida's contacted Monroe Mills or any of the other tackles that have hit the portal. I don't have an issue with much of the interior. I think that if Micah Mazuka comes back, then you roll with Jake Slaughter at center, Richie Leonard at left guard, and then honestly, you tell Micah Mazuka that he has to compete with Naishih Harris at right guard, and whoever wins that battle is starting right guard. You move Austin Barber back to right tackle. And you figure out left tackle in the transfer portal. I think those are your best cho- your best options there, your best choices. As far as replacing him actually in the backfield, maybe you look to the transfer portal for a guy. Even if you do keep Montrell Johnson, maybe you look to, to Treshawn Ward. Or you look to Rocket Sanders and you just go, yeah, Montrell, Rocket Sanders, we're just going to get pick up yards after contact. We're just going to do that every single time. We're going to punch you in the face repeatedly. But you look at high school, you've got Kane and Daniels coming in, who I dude's to stud. I think he's got fantastic vision for a high school running back. And that's probably the hardest part about playing running back to have a natural feel for that. That's something that Kane and Daniels can do from day one. The issue is that there won't be many holes up with this offensive line. And it's going to be interesting to see how he handles facing SEC linebackers and and breaking tackles from those guys as opposed to high school. But vision-wise, Daniels can contribute early. Again, what you can do in space against SEC talent and what you can do beyond that, we'll see. But as far as just if there's a lane, I know he can hit it. Daniels can do that. You have a visit today, Billy Napier, with Jaden Ball the Arkansas commit running back uh, from Decatur, Georgia, I believe he's, I believe that's where he lives. Um, Flip him today. I don't care if Montrell declares that. Flip Jaden Ball immediately. Okay? Get him, lock him in, and have that, which still, none of that replaces Trevor Etienne. It just adds depth to your running back room, but you still need someone who can contribute immediately. I think also if you're Florida, you have to work more RPO into your game plan. It just caused a little bit of hesitancy from someone on that defense because this whole year we watched defenses just j- just just pin their ears back and run into the backfield knowing that one, their guys will more often than not win the battle against Florida's offensive line. And two, they don't have to worry about Graham Mertz taking off, and I'm not even saying Graham Mertz taking off as part of the RPO that I, I want included. Slant. Just RP, slant from the slot. That's it. Just slant from the slot, and if they're being really aggressive, you whip that ball out. Really quick. Just grip it and rip it and just get it going and, and just make them pay at some point. Make them hesitate a little bit and have a cutback lane there, especially when you run split zone. They hesitate for a second. By the time they know it, a tight end is just cleaning them up. Simple as that. Um, And by simple as that, I mean it's incredibly difficult to replace a player like Trevor Etienne. But we can try, right? We can try. We're about to talk about Prince Lee mon who's another massive loss to this team and to this program and how you replace them. Before we talk about that, when you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And LinkedIn isn't just some other Joe Schmo job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates as well. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy, and they even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Thanks again for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. Every day, we are available daily and free. listen in the podcast. Like I mentioned, Prince Leumann Mellon is the next guy that you have to replace. And really, there's there's a few routes that you can go. Or we'll say a couple. All of them include getting a a better supporting cast on the defensive line. Because even when you had Prince Leumann Mellon, he was being productive, but nobody else was. And the issue became... All offensives have to do is worry about what Princely Uman Miellen is doing in the pass game, neutralize him, and then there's no pass rush coming from Florida. Put a tight end, a running back, whatever the pass blocking plan was, whatever the pass pro plan was, all you had to do was single out Princely. And if he was stopped, there was no pass rush coming in. So I don't care how you replace him specifically, as long as you're also upgrading the rest of the supporting cast around him. That's where we talk about someone like Joey Slackman from Penn being targeted right now from the transfer portal, big, big name in the transfer portal. Like I get it. Penn is not a school where I, what 1% of Florida Gators fans have probably watched a Penn game this season live, even less. Some of us have watched Penn because of Joey Slackman after the fact of the season. None of us were watching Penn during the season, but Joey Slackman is not a name you're familiar with. I mean, you are if you listen to Locked on Gators or if you're part of the subtext group, which by the way, links in the description. Join subtext.com slash locked on Gators. Um, two weeks free, five bucks a month after that. Shamelessly plugging it now. Um, but Joey Slackman's not a big name, but trust me, he's a big time player that can step in, and I think he would start right away on this defensive line. That's where we talk about getting a better supporting cast on the D-line. You can, looking at that edge group, at that edge group, uh, we can talk about internal. We'll talk about internal replacement first because I think your best option there is to trust your youth, whether that's looking at Kelby Collins and TJ Searcy, both guys who popped at certain points in the season because they did they they both made splash plays here and there i feel like kelby really got better as the year went on and i feel like tj seriously kind of started hot and then kind of slowed down which isn't surprising that happens a lot for kids once you really get into the thick of things and of course the schedule got more difficult but those would be the main guys that you trust if we say trust your youth right I know that a lot of people will mention Jack Pyburn, and I have nothing against him. I thought what he did on film was fine. However, I'm looking at it as Jack Pyburn tore his ACL on November 4th. I think that was the day of the uh, Arkansas game. Tore his ACL then. Got surgery about a month later. Torn ACL. ACL surgery. He's going to be out quite a few months. I would expect him to miss most, if not all of spring camp, all spring ball, good portion of any summer workouts that players might be putting together. Maybe some of fall camp, maybe the beginning of next year as well. My point isn't, oh, he's going to be hurt. So I can't include him in the plan. My point is Oh, he's going to be hurt. He's not going to be able to develop much, except for IQ-wise, which can make a ton of a difference, but he's not going to be able to physically develop and work on his pass rush moves, work on his pass rush plan, work on that. And what he put on film this past year was not SEC starter quality. So I don't think that you should rely on him being the guy. Because again... It's just, I don't think he's basically losing an off season of development. That's why I feel like I'd rather be like, all right, if I'm on a if I'm on tear it right before the season or something, or there was something where I get all the development I can. And then if if the season is kaput, then it's kaput, but he's missing an off season of development. And I think for me, that's where I'm like, all right, well, I can't, I can't say that. I think you should start next year. Cause I think think that's just naive at that point. LJ McRae assuming you keep him committed to the class do you really want to rely on a true freshman do we we want to say that do we want to go yeah the true freshman in in 2024 he's he's our starting jack which again i'm not saying he can't that's not the that's not the area that you want to be in of that's what we have to rely on you can go into the portal for an edge rusher I, i think that i'm not as high on some of the guys there um Trey Moore from UTSA. He's I think he's the high the second highest rated edge rusher in the portal right now, behind Princely. Uh so, so I think Trey Moore, if you're looking just for a direct rating comp there, then that's who, where you're looking at. RJ Oben from Duke, which maybe something coming along could convince him to come. To Gainesville. That's certainly an option if things, if rumors come true. Um, wink, wink, I guess. Tyler Barron from Tennessee, SEC experience. Mikhail Camaro from James Madison. That's one of those times where we talk about, hey, this guy is, is looking to take the next step up and, and he's looking to prove himself as a legitimate SEC caliber player maybe that's the one you look at off the edge but even then he's heavier than princely i think he could still play that jack spot or that yeah that jack spot i'm not saying he can't he's heavier than princely he's got some experience as a linebacker but even then he's more of a hand in the dirt got six feet tall it's not big at all and i mean it's just not a situation where i'm i'm super thrilled about it i don't i think that the best option is to Yeah. Hey, Princely, come on back, man. Uh, I think that's your best chance, but again, or your best option, but slim chance of that happening. I think a lot of it comes down to Billy Napier needs to make this defensive higher like that, make the defensive line higher and get to work with Kelby and with TJ Searcy. Cause I think those are your best options. I think as far as, replacing what princely bought you look you can look to the transfer portal and you can look for one of the top guys the trey moors the rj opens look at them but it's not like florida can just go oh hey man come on in and it's going to work like that then you look at kelby collins and seriously as taking the next step and you look at beefing up the rest of that defensive line so that there's another guy rushing the passer with some kind of success because yeah Caleb Banks had the second most pressures on the team with 24. That's not a good number to have as your second pressure cooker. That's not a good number to have. It's fine for a D-tackle. It's fine with all the heavy rotations. You should be getting some more pressure there, specifically from the edge. That F spot this year had basically freaking no pressure off the edge. Like that, it was bad this year as far as creating pressure and creating push. Honestly, probably the weakest spot on the defensive line was that F spot this year. It wasn't good at all. I, I think that if we could see Kelby take the next step and take over that F spot and TJ seriously take over the Jack spot, I, I think we could be cooking with, with some youth getting experience there. But even then, that's My issue going into this season with the Florida Gators was that we're projecting a lot of guys to take steps up. And that was what my main hesitancy was with this season was we're projecting a lot of guys and history tells you probably not going to work out like that. I don't think that you're projecting as many next year, but projecting two of the four starting defensive line spots, uh, that's kind of, that that's kind of up there a little bit. We are about to talk about just some other guys. You didn't really lose any other like big time players, but you did lose some players who were valuable death, depth expected to start next year, whatever it may be. We'll talk about them in one second. Before we do that, as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. Yeah, it's super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders. More, They do these boosts every day or almost every day. And the ones where I live in New York, both of them hit last night. It was Tommy DeVito to get uh, 200 passing plus rushing yards combined and one passing touchdown versus the Packers. Which he did because of a big rushing night. And it was Saquon Barkley, uh, Devon HN, and Derrick Henry to all have 50 plus scrimmage yards, which they did. Derrick Henry's came on the three yard rushing touchdown to, uh, to to, take the lead over the Dolphins. So that was huge, too. Visit fandool.com slash lockdown and kick off the NFL season. And remember that Fanduel is an official partner of the NFL. Thanks again for making lockdown gators your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free. Ready to to the podcast. When talking about the rest of the guys that you lost to the transfer portal, there were some guys who, who never played and probably never would play on this team to hit the transfer portal, but you did lose some key rotational pieces. Uh, first up, I, I think the name that a lot of people will talk about is Chris McLellan. I think he was someone that many of us had high hopes for this year and just, and even last year, and it kind of just never really worked out. With this defense, I don't know what it was, but it just, it never really came to fruition for Chris McClellan in Gainesville. He had the 12th most snaps on the team, played 295 snaps, the third most amongst, uh, or second most amongst defensive interior players. Caleb Banks had the most, not Cam Jackson. Um, Part of that is because Cam Jackson missed a game. Part of that is because Chris McClellan would play that one tech that knows that Cam Jackson plays and the three tech that Caleb Banks plays. So so part of it was that, but Chris McClellan never really found his way to being productive in Gainesville. Never really worked out. Hit the transfer portal. I think he's one where if you get Joey Slackman, I don't care at all that he's gone. Um, Not to be rude at all, but if you can get Joey Slackman, I think not only have you replaced Chris McClellan, but you've upgraded from Chris McLellan because the new Chris McLellan that can play both spots and be a rotational piece is Caleb Banks. If you get Joey Slackman, because I think Joey Slackman takes that spot. I think Joey Slackman is, like I said earlier, I think he starts right away. And so if you bring in Joey Slackman, he goes over Caleb Banks, Caleb Banks slides into the Chris McLellan spot and congratulations, your defensive line, or at least the interior defensive line, got better. So I think Joey Slackman not only replaces Chris McClellan, but replaces Caleb Banks in the starting rotation, and is your probably second-leading pass rusher. Uh, yeah, probably second-leading behind whoever is going to be at the jack spot, I would assume. So there's that um caleb bank or caleb douglas at wide receiver hit the transfer portal look i i know that i'm someone who's high on caleb douglas i thought the moment he committed to florida i was saying hey he's someone who's going to be an impact player for florida i had a few splash plays as its true freshman year in 2022 2023 made a few big plays he had that utah touchdown where he just went right up over the db and it, it was a sick catch like it was just one of those like oh He's a grown man already catches you look at. Uh, I mean, a few important catches. He had the play that he got hurt on against Kentucky. Caught that what at the one or the two and got tackled. And then he got injured and did not return. And again, I was told that if he, if Florida made a bowl game, then Caleb Douglas had a chance to play in that bowl game. Obviously that never happened, but I don't think with Caleb Douglas, He's someone that you really can replace, and I don't think Florida necessarily cares about replacing him, which is kind of why I think you can't replace him. Because, and I, I know I thought more of Caleb Douglas, and I think most people do, but I also acknowledge that. One, he wasn't really a fit here. He's better in a vertical offense where he gets to work downfield and win those jump balls and, and go into coverage and, and contested catches and make those. And that just wasn't going to happen with Graham at the helm. Uh, not a knock on Graham. It's just not a stylistic fit for Caleb Douglas there. But I also just don't think there's too much of a role for Caleb Douglas here with Billy Napier and whatever the plan is offensively. Billy Napier shown, he likes the shorter, fast. Again, they don't have to be shorter. But he likes the fast, shifty guys, and they tend to be shorter. Caleb Douglas is Caleb Douglas is a Dan Mullen wide receiver. Xavier Henderson, Justin Shorter, hell, Marcus Burke, Dejan Reynolds. He's one of those bigger receivers that isn't great at separating because he's not super shifty, he's not super smooth. But he can go win those contested catches, and there is a place for those guys. Believe me, um, there's absolutely a place for those guys. But I don't think that Billy Napier envisions that, really. So I don't think the staff is trying to replace Caleb Douglas. I think the best guy to maybe replace him is already on roster. I think you look at Andy Jean, could step into that role. I think you look at Aiden Mizell as someone who could step into that role. But again, I don't even really know this year how much of a role Aiden Mizell is going to have. just be- Or not how much of a role, how much of an impact Aiden Mizell is going to have because I think it's another one where not a great stylistic fit with Graham Hertz DJ Lagway at the helm and that it can be more aggressive? Hell yeah. But I'm not too sure there. But I think Andy Jean's the most likely to step into Caleb Douglas's role. Maybe you look at Khalil Jackson as screw it, he's our jump ball guy, and that's kind of it. And another name that I did want to touch on quickly before before we wrap this up, Jonathan Odom is one that I wanted to single him out because you look at the tight end room, and I know that most people won't miss uh, Jonathan Odom. He, he redshirted this year, so he played four games. Redshirted after realizing that this year is th- – that there's just no future for him really in Gainesville anymore. But I, And I've tried to bring this up before. I think there's genuine depth issues for Florida at tight end now, which is wild because just a year ago, we were like, oh, you have so many tight ends in Gainesville. But now I think you're looking at genuine depth issues because Jonathan Odom is in the transfer portal. Andrew savai and I is in the transfer portal, both at tight end. Then you look at Dante Sanders. He's out of eligibility. The only tight ends that you have remaining on roster that played this year: Hayden Hansen, Arliss Boardingham, Tony Livingston, Scott Isaacs. And Scott Isaacs only played offensively in, I believe it was the Charlotte and McNeese games, uh, and then was primarily on special teams from the outside of those. So think when you look at what you have at tight end, no experience depth and very little depth. And Keon Zipper most likely coming back. I, by this point in the game, I'm expecting him to stay. But even then, I think that maybe you look to an answer in the Portal or high school. You're already getting an answer from Portal in high school because uh, Amir Jackson is, is from Portal, Georgia. And obviously a high school group. but even then, I think that you're one injury away from being in a rough spot. And I think that's where you got to look at just bring in a little bit more depth, whether it's high school or the portal, just bring in depth that can at least come in and then step in in a pinch if you need it. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day, we are available daily and free reviews in the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Florida Gators football. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with the whole nine sports, Giants, Country, NFL 33. I'll see you all tomorrow.